Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're still talking Freddy's Revenge on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from 1428 Elm Street. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to exploring the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 in the hopes that a slash teen's death is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if we get caught between a rampaging Freddy Krueger and a fence that she will trample me to death. The one and the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I, I'm good. I would do that. But I would also try to help lift you out of a boiling pool. <laughs> you wouldn't just lift one arm and just let me flail with my legs still boiling no, in water? I, I, I would do my best to, to drag you out. Even if I have to do the, the pull you up by the by the back of your swim trunks maneuver. That Yes, that's the wedgie of life, I think, is what the firefighters technically call it. You will, you will thank me for when you are picking it out of every orifice of your body, you'll be thanking me for it, for it later. Well, I'll still be alive to yank it out of my nether regions, and that's the most important part. It's your life that's at stake here. <laughs> it's true. But, uh, Gina, I don't want to alarm you, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. And, of course, he's one of the hosts of the finest RPG podcasts available on these internets, Square Roots. And he's one of our favorite guests, too, the returning champion, the one, the only, John Brandon. How are you doing, John? I'm great. And me being here means it's going to be a hard R episode. <laughs> that's right. Things get freaky when John's in the house. <laughs> and that's why he's been invited here to this really crazy pool party where the adults are locked into their room because they have a lock on the outside of their door. How does that work, Gina? That seems like a practical joke that nobody ever bothered fixing. <laughs> I I mean, this is this is a pretty casual family. They they just sort of assume, well, we're going to go to bed, so uh, you teenagers can do what you teenagers do. Wink. <laughs> Well, the humping has to happen. Um, you first have to somehow get those harem pants off of uh, Miss, Mr. Merrill. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how that works. And then you have to turn off both the lamps on Mrs. Merrill's side of the bed. And then the loving begins. You also have to uh, you know, bring, a, bring a glass of whiskey and then proceed to not finish it. Just leave it on your bedside table. <laughs> right. Just in case you want to wash your mouth out with alcohol in the middle of the night. <laughs> Well, who among us? I mean, I need more bedside whiskeys. That's I, I, why am I denying myself this pleasure? All right. Well, before we go too much further, John, what was your first exposure to the Friday the 13th? Not, well, wait a second. Hold on. Well, I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, old habits, muscle memory. Mm -hmm. John, uh, we've heard that story. We've heard the story of your first introduction to Thanksgiving. <laughs> The mm -hmm. fake trailer that we lovingly skewered and no one listened to. <laughs> Tell me what your first exposure was to the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Well, uh, actually, it was this film. It, you and I are alike in that fashion. 
Uh, I was probably nine or 10. Mm-hmm. I was pretty new to horror films and my brother was a big horror nut. So he uh, rented this and the two scenes I remember most are the pool party mm-hmm. and the shower scene. Yes. Well, those, those will be some very wet highlights. Yeah. And, and both were anxieties. I, I, I was very afraid of swimming and water and uh, very afraid of public nudity. <laughs> so uh, this, this really got me psychosexually early. Now, what if you're wearing shoes? What if you're naked, but you still get to, to wear your shoes in the shower? Does that help? I mean, I still wear flip-flops in a public shower. Yeah, well, that, you don't like think about the athlete's foot. Yes, that's true. That, that is life's yeah. great horror. Athlete's foot transmitted via public shower. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I have a public apology to make, and that is to <laughs> our very own Gina Radcliffe. Gina, mm-hmm. what? I, <laughs> I doubted your spotting of a Tina Turner poster in Grady's oh. bedroom, and it's totally there. I thought you were talking about the Lamal picture because no. they have the same haircut. <laughs> I I will I will you know I will grant you mercy because it's more prominently shown after the scene that we stopped at. Yeah, it, that's week. very true. Uh, very true. The way and when it, it shows up after um, Freddie and Jesse do a little little Groucho Marx kind of mirroring each other <laughs> sort of bit. <laughs> yeah, well, well let's then, get right in. I was gonna say, and then you can see it behind. I, I, you can see it behind Freddie, I think, very prominently for a couple of seconds. So I, I will, I will understand that you don't recall, you did not recall seeing it the last time because it was not all that prominent in the last, this last section that we did. So yeah. it's fine, we're good. It may have been her biggest, uh, her biggest uh, guest starring turn of that year, if it were not for Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which. I was gonna. So, what what era Tina Turner poster is it? Is it like a stop in the or well, not? Uh, what's yeah, it looks like, to do with it? It looks like yeah, it looks like Private Dancer era. Yeah. Which I I, I am dubious that a a seventeen year old boy was listening to Private Dancer during that. Maybe his mom was listening to it at that time. I I, I don't know. Maybe he's a leg man. That's I, possible. I, I do have a, a piece of information about Grady's uh, milk consumption that I shared with Patrick. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but <laughs> I do believe he is on the gallon of milk a day, the GOMAD program for muscle gaining. That is a extreme protein and carbohydrates intake by chugging milk. Oh God. I just, Ew. all I can think about are the farts. It just, it sounds like hell. Um, right. Have I ever brought up the 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 family friend who I like through going to kind of grade school he was like a he was a friend of mine and I I put friend in dick fingers we were in the same ward of our Mormon church and he had one of those giant Mormon families he was the oldest kid and his house perpetually smelled like rotten milk and diapers and anytime I catch a whiff of it I'm just instantly taken back to their house in La Crescenta, California and watching the star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Cause I think that was our one and only sleepover and it really sealed the deal on 
ending that connection between the two of us because I couldn't stand the smell of their house. And I had to watch a coked up cast of Star Wars limp their way through one of the worst variety specials ever aired on television. That's a very visceral memory. It is. It is ingrained <laughs> That's like in you, every sense. Like you could write like a memoir just based on that memory. <laughs> so was their house also covered in bird prints and tasteful florals like uh, like Meryl Streep's house in uh, this? Uh, not to that degree. No, they were way too vanilla. And I promise you there was zero uh, bedside scotch. Uh, available for consumption. Oh, yeah, Mormon. Yes, of course. Uh, so let's get right back into it. Uh, who's still left alive at this point in the movie? Uh, let's start with Jesse. And during this section of the movie, he may cry just as much, if not more so, than Evan Hansen does in the second act of Dear Evan Hansen. This is not a dig. I find it impressive. And, of course, we have Meryl uh, and she is perpetually dressed like Robin Williams doing a 2 a.m. set at the comedy store and doesn't care if you notice. <laughs> uh, she, she's definitely got a, a uh, um, what would you say, uh, what's a polite way of saying, a, a masculine woman who's going to do some construction work in the backyard outfit uh, for a lot of this film. She's definitely dressed for backyard gardening or pruning mm-hmm. a lime tray. It's just... Something that is allows her to see some sun, but not too much. Not on her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's it's her party, and and let's assume that she had a plan in mind to to seduce Jesse at this party, <laughs> but mm-hmm. she is neither dressed for a pool party and definitely not dressed for seduction. Uh, no, uh, I know dressing like Robin Williams may have been her plan to seduce Jesse. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, when we, of course, last saw Jesse, um, he was pulling a Frank Drebin by clinging to a pair of boobs to keep himself from certain doom. And when that <laughs> didn't work, he ended up in bed all too briefly uh, with Grady before Freddie came out and slashed Grady to ribbons in what is honestly a very disturbing kill sequence that is quite mm-hmm. visceral made only more so because, uh, you know, his parents decide we're going to let someone else handle that and just eradicate themselves from the rest of the movie. Yeah, and and I have, there, there are two issues I have with this. One, one ultimately it jumps ahead towards the end of the movie. One we have, and, and this seems to be a problem so far in, in parents and Freddy Krueger movies, mm-hmm is the dad acts appropriately, you know, concerned, a little a little angry maybe for someone who whose child is screaming for help. Yeah. Once again the mom just looks sort of annoyed. Like, <laughs> "Oh, what's Grady up to this time? <laughs> Jesus Christ." You know, he he's begging for help. What's what's he what sort of nonsense has he gotten into this time? And then at the very end of the movie, Grady seems to have been forgotten. Like, oh, thank God, we were, we, everything's all right now. Well, Grady's still dead. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, like, like he's not mentioned at all. Like, like, like when, 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 when Jesse tells Meryl I killed Grady, her concerns for him 
not for Grady. Yeah, she's like, oh, Jesse. Not like, oh, no, someone ought to check on Grady to see if he's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that you're lying or that you didn't do this, but it doesn't occur to me that maybe I should call the police. Maybe I should run to Grady's house and see if he's okay. You're just like, oh, fuck Grady. No, he's obviously slipped and fallen in some, I don't know, party city fake blood. It it looks a little magenta, to be honest with you, for blood. But maybe yeah, it's a little it's a little jelloey. It looks it looks very shiny. It looks very like kind of gelatinous. It it, it it's very jelloey. No, please go, John. Uh, when you saw Grady slumping down the the uh, door after being stabbed, I didn't see any. They didn't put any body damage on him. They just put blood on him, which is weird because this is the same scene with that amazing effect of Jesse's body like. Uh, splitting in half as Freddy emerges from it, which is a genuinely good effect. But Grady didn't look like he had anything other than just like some, yeah, cherry sauce on him. <laughs> and the 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 other element of that that really works for me is you see Freddy's uh, knives through the other side of the door. Right. And you get that, you know, mental connection of him literally stabbing him through the entirety of the door, which brings mm-hmm. up a question I have, Gina, does this count as a get bunked? Because Ooh. Grady is stabbed and stabbed through another object after he's stabbed, which is how sad sandwich worked. So in my mind, that Grady's death might count as a get bunked. He, I, I would say so mostly because he's also almost naked. Yes. He has a very tiny little shorts on. And he should have <laughs> been having sex in that situation. <laughs> Let's put it out there. Yeah, I mean, in, in an alternate universe, yeah. Yes, I think it would have kept them all safe, to be honest with you. It was the magic trick that no one tried. We rejoin the action, of course, inside of Grady's now blood-splattered bedroom that he does not seem to have a lot of damage from, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe there was a framing problem. The back third of this movie has some directorial issues that we will begin to illuminate Throughout, it almost feels like someone wasn't at the wheel here Um, because the first two thirds, I think, make definitive choices and the back third is kind of like, ah, is it lit? Okay, works for me. Moving on. (laughs) So uh, Jesse begins performing what I could only describe as an Irene Ryan competition monologue to himself where it's all crying and blaming someone in a mirror and a lot of finger wagging. There's a lot of miss, miss, you forgot my coffee happening from Freddie. <laughs> yeah. That, I would say that this is uh Freddie at his most staringest <laughs> in this, for the, the last third of this movie, he just does a lot of staring at, at, at other characters is a lot of side eye from freddy which is unusual he will either talk you to death or lurk in the shadows and here you're seeing maybe too much of him and uh, he also doesn't appear to have slept because they've given him given him very dark circles around the eyes he has like red eyes at one point too yes they've definitely given him the devil eyes in this one and that that's something that sort of comes and goes with his makeups um, the makeup job on Freddy is very different in this movie from any of the other ones. He's a lot wetter. Like, Well, everyone's wet. This movie is super wet for not taking place on a sinking boat or submarine. 
It's very moist. <laughs> but normally they kind of make him look look a bit like jerky. And here he looks like just a super wet cut of meat. It's it's pretty gross. It's like if you boiled bacon is pretty much yeah. what it comes down to. Well, that is so evocative. I, I feel a little sick now, like, like, like thinking about that. That that gives me a little bit of little bit of little bit of indigestion. I gotta say, uh, this murder is uh, then we're. I guess Grady's parents notify the local PD, who, as we all know, are always on the case. So we begin to hear sirens in the background and then banging at the door. But at this point, fuck banging on the door and start kicking some shit in. But nope, it gives it gives Jesse a lot of time to just yoink himself out a window and escape capture, which I find fucking impossible. This is now two years in a row. A blood covered man shirtless has run away from the police. And they're like, I don't know. This town is full of shirtless, blood-covered men. <laughs> How can we tell one from the other, say the local PD? How? Okay, so here's a, an issue with, with direction. Yeah. So we have what commenced at Grady's house. And then the next scene, we see Meryl. She's walking down the stairs, buttoning her shirt back up. So was she just kind of laying there topless, like kind of, you know, thinking over what had just just happened with Jesse while Jesse's off, you know, murdering Grady? And and does Grady live next door? And I, and if he lives next door, how does anybody not notice the the, you know, onslaught of sirens at all? They live far enough away not to hear the sirens close enough that she's able to replace her previous shirt now with that tank and a different flowy shirt combo because before it was a tropical theme. Now it's just straight up a loose, very loose plaid. Now it's, well, I'm not going to get late. So I might as well just put on my comfy clothes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, who among us has not thought, well, all right, I guess this isn't happening. You just put those jogging pants on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, At this point, did she have the Madonna style hair? What would you call that? Bandana? It's a bandana on? with a bow on top of it. Yeah. Sort of sitch, yes, a like a virgin kind of deal. That was that was definitely having been a teenager in that era. That was definitely a thing. Those little hair tie thingies. She is definitely like a virgin throughout the entirety of this film, and she it's not going to change. Not while being photographed, anyways. Uh, what occurs next in this movie may be the lowest point, and what I think is a pretty fantastic little grimy flick. So Jesse bursts into the scene here and what we get is a kind of level one scene partner exercise where Jesse's like, I killed somebody and he keeps shaking his hands and Meryl looks not so much at him, but sort of at a part of his neck and does Uh some other scene. Where she's like, you're, and, and, you're injured. I don't know what's happening. Wake up. Who are you? What am I? What's going on? And Jesse's like, I killed him. <laughs> and and she's he's vaguely doing, into it. Yeah. She's he's like, doing, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's doing some like Steppenwolf acting exercises. And <laughs> she's just like, well, I'm just going to let you bounce your dialogue off of me. And, and mm. again, so little concern for Grady that it cannot be 
it, it cannot be even scientifically charted. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, no, that that didn't happen. Well, all right, if that didn't happen, then whose blood is he covered in? <laughs> I he mean, does ask that question. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, well, it's Grady's. Oh, well, all right. Glad we cleared that up. I mean, OK, well, maybe you should go check on Grady. <laughs> I, I wrote some choice lines from his monologue. Can I deliver them to please, you? Please, please do. OK. The man inside me. <laughs> He's inside me and he wants to take me again. <laughs> Yeah, he owns, me. he owns me is the is a chef kiss moment because I don't know. I like he's inside me and he wants to take me again. Oh, yeah, that, that's he wants to take. I was like, this could all be turned into a really, really hot romance novel scene. <laughs> oh, boy. But it's not. And that I think it, like this could be turned up to 11 here. Like there could be some Tennessee Williams action happening, but I feel oh, like. Oh God, that would, if only. But I feel like Jack shoulders kind of like, I don't know. I got fire effects coming up. Can, can the second unit just take this on? Like it's just so flatly directed and the, the actors are not given any semblance of what they're trying to communicate to the audience. It, it's so weird that this whole scene happens with zero cuts. Meanwhile, when we're finally given reprieve from it, we cut to a Sierra Madre pool party where Bobo David Lee Roth croons a tune. What is the opposite of a power ballad? <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm so glad. I, I Because I am old and also because I... I watched Sharp Objects in which everybody just kind of mumbled everything in a broad Southern accent. Uh-huh. I now watch, I now watch everything with closed captioning on. Uh-huh. Um, and I was blessed with the lyrics to this song. Please and, and them it, to us. <laughs> it, it was, oh, I, I should have written them down. It was something like, like, like. A rose by any other name. Yeah, that one I caught. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was some sort of vaguely sort of goth love song and and it didn't look like anything that anybody at this party would actually listen to no well they're not listening they're all in various uh, states of undress and if they're not doing that the theme of this party appears to be how many upsetting shades of blue can exist in one space this is you know what's not blue the chef's hat (laughs) the chef's hat is not blue that is a very red chef's hat uh there's a there's another there's another issue with the direction here in that there's stuff happening. There, there is, you know, you questionable, let's say, things happening at this party that apparently is so large that other people don't notice what's happening. <laughs> like, like the the exploding hot dog scene. Uh-huh. Like maybe maybe twelve people notice that, and like the other people across the patio don't see it happening. And it's like, okay, how big is this property? <laughs> they're they're in multiple levels of this estate. Why don't we call it? Yeah, nobody notices the hot dogs exploding. First of all, nobody notices that that guy who inherited that chef's hat is actually making time with a real woman, which maybe the most unbelievable scene in the entire movie and later dogs show up with human faces on them. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I do not remember anything that happened after the party. I was like, Whoa, wait, is this like the director's cut? I, <laughs> I it's been years since I have, have seen this movie. I honestly thought that it, it ended after the party. I mean, I remember the part on the bus, like the little coda on the bus, but but the whole thing with the factory, yeah, no, I completely 
blanked out on that. I would say so I was into like a Janae and Carol movie. It just gets <laughs> yeah. weird at the end. Yeah, it got real. It got real surreal. It got a little invasion of the body snatchers in it. It, it got like like it was a, some kind of weird funhouse thing. And I was like, wow, I do not recall this at all. Yeah, I, I did not recall the fact that the outside of the freestanding boiler room becomes theme-lit with green and red gels so that Batman can find Freddy's lair, I guess. It was almost uh, James Cameron right, uh, lighting with the blue and the red. And it's like, oh, okay, are they, are they doing this Terminator, you know, end of movie factory thing but then there's green that just kills yeah it's oh we'll get to it because we have this whole party to get through and (laughs) there's so much to talk about in every single frame i could not believe how many times i hit the space bar to write a note so the first one of these things that has to be talked about is that these hot dogs that explode are lined up in a very neat row now (laughs) It's almost that's something I would do. Oh, that is like definitely something I would. You would just like I need these hot dogs to be a certain way on this cutting board before I cook them. Yeah, you can't have them willy nilly around. You gotta make sure. Well, I'm not asking you to have them in a in a pile like uh, discarded Lincoln logs, but this is a very neat (laughs) pile. Maybe you keep them in the package. I guess. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, cook number two is our hero here. He picks up the exploding cutting board of hot dogs and just shoves them into a barbecue and people mm-hmm. celebrate him like he did something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, that I, barbecue I, comes back later. Yes, it does. I, I just have, I have just in my notes, just the words exploding wieners. Yeah. I have flaming wieners, <laughs> which I felt I was, like there's a theme to this movie. <laughs> it might be flaming wieners. Yeah. Uh, the, the rejected title was A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Flaming Wings. <laughs> we then cut to a radio flyer filled with beer brand beer that mm-hmm. ejaculates prematurely. As a lot of people would have at that point. Yes. Yes. But, and again, no one is noticing, I guess, because some people are under a towel. Uh, where are all these people coalesce at the end of this? But if they were all in a tighter group, I think they would have escaped or earlier or easy, more easily. Uh, I mean, the, how, the the backyard gets surrounded by flames and pits to the netherworld, apparently. Well, this franchise is not immune to pits to the netherworld. In the, in the previous film, uh, a woman's mom descends yeah. into some sort of phantasm pit. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's a real thing. That is apparently a power Freddy Krueger has that I did not remember until here. <laughs> So when someone goes, I like movies that have rules like Nightmare on Elm Street, I point you to, no, it never had any fucking rules. Freddy can do whatever he fucking pleases whenever he pleases. That's just how it is. Uh, Shout out to that fancy reel-to-reel player in Meryl's living room. That is not an inexpensive piece of audio equipment. I was going to say, you know, that uh, Meryl's parents are like hosting some like adult entertainment with that thing like late at night. Oh, the key parties in that neighborhood. Oh, yeah. They they were totally having key parties. That's all. That's how all the children died because they weren't paying attention. <laughs> I, I now I really want to to write a sort of meshing between the Nightmare on Elm Street and the ice storm. <laughs> yeah, I think that would go where, over huge. Where it, where instead of uh you know, one of the kids getting getting electrocuted, they they get murdered by a by a a, 
a serial killer who visits you in your dreams. <laughs> sure. I think it fits right in. Um, it, it would not be any more depressing than the actual ice storm. That's very, very ha- true. Have you, have you seen that movie? I, I missed that one. Oh. It, 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 it will give you all sorts of existential crises. <laughs> it is a... Didn't that one come out during that actual East Coast ice storm? Oh, probably. Like but it... Yeah, but it's 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 probably one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen in my life. If you like ever think that the idea of couple swapping is hot, all you have to do is watch the ice storm because that'll kill it for you. Yeah, it'll debuse you of that notion right quick. Here's something that the dad and me leapt out and I didn't really expect it. Jesse, who is covered in another person's blood sits down on a couch in the living room and Lisa, (laughs) instead of going, what the fuck are you doing? This is a kitchen conversation. Just sits next to him and starts talking to him. Like it's no big fucking deal. You're never getting Grady's blood out of that couch. Are are you saying you would be like laying newspapers around and like letting, you know, kind of leading him over to, uh, you know, kind of sit where he's not going to get anything all over. I just bought this couch. Damn it. I'm saying that tarps have two functions. One, I learned from the flop house. That's where yes. lesbian uh, gangbangs happen. Secondly, when your friend slash boyfriend slash he's never really going to be your boyfriend comes over covered in another dude's blood. It's tarp time. <laughs> I don't even let my kid eat on this thing. <laughs> no, that living room was not meant for blood covered teens. That's why they're having a pool party. I I have one question about that outward facing lock on Meryl's parents' bedroom. Is one of them a secret werewolf? And if you were to guess, which one would it be? I would say mom, just to flip the, flip the, the, uh, the general, uh, stereotype of it. Dad's not hairy enough. No, but that, I mean, that's where the werewolf part comes out. No one has to be hairy enough to be a werewolf. The werewolf sort of does that work for you. Or right. Although although she does have the two lights on her on her side of the bed, which which you know suggests that she has one of them on hand in case she needs to hit him over the head. With <laughs> That's I, I figure true. they're just such like hands off parents. You know, they let their kids have the party. You know, they're like, well, they're going to be drinking, but it's on our property. At least we know they're safe. Uh, and in a reversal of roles, like the kids can lock us in our room until they're ready for us to come out. <laughs> They're they're they're, they're 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 that really super laid back seventies era parents. Yes. I mean, some of them had those. I had those. You know, I think that if my parents had had you know had their marriage survived into my teen years, they would have all but encouraged me to embarrassing lengths to 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 have parties where where you know the teens were allowed to drink and get up to no good because it, it's safe. We're 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 here with them. We're locked in our room, but we're here with them. <laughs> Ooh. That's almost the same thing as watching over them. All I can think of is that Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode werewolf where that very foreign woman is given the task of saying werewolf and she can't do it. And she just says, <laughs> werewolf? That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Werewolf. Look it up, people. Um, and Freddy's fight with Meryl, which suddenly... Mm. Uh, Jesse uh, transforms into Freddy yet again. Uh, And they have a, let's call it a tussle because I really wouldn't call it a choreographed fight. Uh, The Foley work 
apparently was done by a group of small, angry dogs that your elderly aunt treats like children. <laughs> There's a lot of growling, the wow, wow happening in the background. Freddy bites Lisa's leg because I think they ran out of ideas. Is that what it comes? Yeah, to? he's never he's never bitten people. No, this and, and didn't and did not sit and, and had not since. I don't believe so. They do have a callback to this bite later. For some reason. Yes. I, I, it's just an excuse for that. Uh, we'll get to that because that's yeah. like a, his like his little his little lost boys mind trick on her. <laughs> the, the, the eating of the biscotti. Yes. Now, this is where I came to the realization that like Final Fantasy X, where uh, you think Titus is the protagonist, but it's actually Yuna's story. Uh, this is where it switches protagonists and it becomes Meryl slash Lisa's story. Yes, it absolutely switches at the last second. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. He can't be the final girl, but we have one. Why don't we just yep. use her? Yep. And so because- it pretty much becomes Meryl's story from this point forward. Um, that is, there is one brief time where it stops that. And that's uh, the quick shout out I'm going to give to the stunt team at the Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge Stunt Spectacular. Because when Mm -hmm. she kicks Freddy in the face, you totally see that's a stunt double. On both ends (laughs) of that coin, they look nothing (laughs) like the people they are portraying. And it is shot very, very well lit. That is... Yeah, we're about a step away from like the the space ball scene where like they're you know everybody's got like the the, the actress the stunt person's playing Princess Vespa has a mustache yeah. and <laughs> yeah we we've got some uh, stunt men in drag almost situations happening here. Um, <laughs> this this fight scene goes through this house and I was really thrilled to get to talk about production design since this is the kill by kill trademark, yes. but this house is kind of boring. There's a lot of bird prints <laughs> as, as I said before. And, and like just China, there's a whole China hutch that she's getting smashed into. And <laughs> But we learned that Freddie hates decorative plates. I was going to say, that's my, that's my favorite thing. He just kind of standing there and he's like, fuck your plates. <laughs> I love that part. It's like, it's like Franklin Mint smash. <laughs> um, we also learned that uh, while Meryl's family goes all out in terms of beer, sponsored beer and wieners, they're mm-hmm. not really spending a whole lot on that cake. It is no. sad. It doesn't, it doesn't even say happy birthday, Lisa. On it. No, it doesn't it's, say it's anything. Some white sheet cake with some random strawberries plastered onto it. Like drive 20 minutes down to Chinatown and get the Phoenix Bakery sponge cake with strawberries. Come on. It's a very <laughs> L.A. joke. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm Marian just gonna run Barry, with it. Or not Marion, Mary Berry, not Marion Berry. What would she say about that cake? I mean, it it just looks bland. There's no pizzazz to it. It, it, There's, it looks very dry. And also, it probably and doesn't have any. No one ate it. It probably doesn't have any alcohol in it, which is weird because this shot reveals that Meryl's parents love a shit ton of aspertifs. Um, There's a, a lot going. on. There's a lot going on. There's every shaded kind of uh, alcoholic mixture in the background of this very mm-hmm. sad bar. It looks like an absolute display on Pride Week. <laughs> Rainbow colored. <laughs> and meanwhile, while this is happening, there's they cut away to four guys who are looking in through the, <laughs> the patio door. 
And not mm-hmm. a single one of them either looks scared, concerned, or under the age of 25. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I, I guess he's also locked the doors on the house because, and, and, you know, it's glass. It doesn't occur to anybody to break anything. No, they're all willing to throw a patio chair later, but here it never seems to come to mind for any of them. They don't want to get involved. They just want to watch. This is also, now, I did not find this. John did. There's some sort of um, skeleton dog lamp in the background. <laughs> the oh, I only didn't interesting see that. piece of, of design here. It, it looks like a kind of a, uh, a Mexican dia. De los Muertos thing, like it's this weird dog with a little mustache. It's made out of silver. Yes, it, it looks like they picked it up from a shop that is vibing off of Coco as their thing. Hmm. It, it doesn't really, it kind of conflicts with the rest of their decor, but I, it's the only piece I would like <laughs> to have my, uh, myself. It's a cute little dog. Yes. Now that sounds like that sounds like, you know, here's something I, I brought back from a business trip. <laughs> We picked it up on Olivera Street. Isn't it lovely? Uh, put it by the bar. It'll be a <laughs> conversation piece. Nice. <laughs> it's a conversation piece, but not one you want to have. Here's something that's fun. We get a return to someone hating doors and windows. It's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> but when he explodes through a windowed door, he disappears in the middle of it. <laughs> that was a, a fun of like, I just trying to think how they did that. That's a good effect. Now there's some swell special effects sequences in here. They're not they're not all poor stage blood. Like sometimes they mm. really step it up. When she tries stabbing him with that cake knife, uh, though, that is a very rubbery knife that they show for about 30 seconds. <laughs> not it's it's a it's a rubbery knife and 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 not even trying to make it look like even a vaguely human torso that she's stabbing it into. I mean, there's like a, it's like a, it sounds like she's stabbing like a bag of hay. It's, just a little like, <laughs> it's, it's like a little like, like sound, like, like nothing. <laughs> and going along with the lack of energy for this whole scene, she's just kind of like, uh, maybe, maybe this time. No, let me try it. Mm, and then no. she has this thing where when she doesn't know what to do, she puts her hand up to her mouth. And if that's your fetish, this is the movie for you because she's going to do it for the next 20 minutes nonstop. And and again, nobody, absolutely nobody at any point has called the police. Just nobody. I mean, I realize this is the this is the era before cell phones, but, you know, Meryl's parents aren't calling the police. You know, nobody outside is trying to, you know, run off to go find a phone. I mean, I, I guess the teens know how incompetent the local constabulatory is, <laughs> yeah. but but you know, n- nobody is is calling for help. Nothing. No, there is one tremendous reaction shot that oh. I I found. I send it to you, John. That is. Oh, yeah is uh it's astounding like no one told these teens to react scared they just <laughs> sort of look like someone i don't know pissed their pants at a party and they're like oh i'd hate to be that guy no like this is supposed to be scary everyone step it up a notch no oh, no 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 my favorite my favorite reaction is is when freddie finally appears at the party Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the teen guests decides to treat him as one would treat a dog that has gotten off his leash. 
He's literally like, it's okay, buddy. It's all right. We're here to help you. He's trying and, to and talk just, him down. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's, it's like, you know, he's trying to use psychology on him. What can we do to help you? <laughs> and it's just like, flee for your fucking life. That's what you can do. He, yeah, he just says, help yourself, and then throws him into the barbecue as... as Which is for. not at all an unreasonable ex, unreasonable reaction to such a thing. Is that a kill? I think he was okay. He just kind of, like, like threw him. Well, no, no, he slashes him. We'll, we'll get to that. Let's go in order, because okay. if, if we don't go in order, we're going to miss something. So, right up okay, front, okay. this begins the pool party massacre portion of the festivities. So we're going to, we're going to try to cover the highlights of this. Otherwise, if we just went for every detail, this, this show would be three hours long. So right up front, Freddie murders a table setting check. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then Freddie slashes a guy wearing circus tent swim trunks Mm -hmm. and uh, he gets a face slashing. Then uh, we learn that Freddie possesses the ability to make fences, electrocute guys wearing pink tops. Which I'm not, I don't, uh, is that electricity? Is that magic? Is it the same thing that allows uh, Jason to transfer his soul through his heart? I'm not sure what that I is. thought it was, I thought it was heat. I thought heat that he, he made him, I thought he mm. made him really, he made everything really hot. Oh, we get a shot here of everyone running in a different direction. And the only thing missing is Johnny from Airplane yelling, Panic! Eddie M! Eddie M! There's a twister coming! I just want to see people running towards some phone booths. The phone booth falls over. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Or 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 Kevin Bacon. Remain calm. All is well. <laughs> my mom. Uh, after I told her how much I loved Johnny in that movie, I remember my mom like telling me with like a bit of concern in her voice that he was a homosexual. Oh no! What? Yeah. Oh, how does she feel about that now? <laughs> Uh, was well, fine. You know, I, I, I honestly, I, I honestly think, and I'm not even joking about this, that that for people my age at least, like probably Paul Lind and Johnny were our first exposure to flamboyantly gay men. Right. Absolutely. Uh, she did not want me to model myself after Johnny, and unfortunately, they <laughs> please, please, please tell me that that if people say like you know, copy Johnny, say no thanks. <laughs> Because God Almighty, that's so fucking great. Weirdly <laughs> enough, this, though, Johnny, I can make a hat or a brooch. <laughs> the the do you want coffee? No thanks. Is actually not an improv on the set. That was in the original movie that they had to pay for the rights to get. They just made it into a running gag. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the pool starts to catch on fire. So notify Jason takes Manhattan. There's a new fire puddle in town. Uh, then Freddie menaces a girl wearing what I have to describe as a Charlie Brown themed one piece. It's yellow with a black squiggle. It, I want that. It looks like uh, some sort of uh, custom uh, theming for a tween a comedy show that would have aired on NBC around 1230 in the afternoon, (laughs) but only on Saturday. Uh, One teen is emulated by fire when he tries to escape. So, Oh, is this the one that, that I I, I was mentioning there? Yes. When he tries. Okay. So he, 
He's trying to climb up the fence uh-huh. to escape. And then there's a fireball, which scares him. And he drops down into the bushes. But instead of falling in onto the bushes, he falls to a pit to hell. <laughs> it's a trap door, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and fire comes out of the ground. Yes. Well, yeah, he stepped on the match. He just happened to be in a gasoline puddle. I'm not sure. But well, we had to understand that that back in the in, you know 1986, 87, it was very common for upper class suburban families to have a, a pit to hell installed <laughs> right. in their in their backyard. That, that's how you knew a family had really made it. Yeah, that's right. You know, you, you get the you get the in ground pool. You don't get that shitty Walmart above ground pool. And then you get the pit to hell. Yeah. Right. They have a lanai with a rattan floor that's good for dry fucking. And yeah, yeah, a pit to hell. That's what everyone wants. It's the American dream. That's what the movie The Gate's about. But unfortunately, that was Canadian. Yes. Uh, So is The Pit. So there you go. (laughs) We're two for two. Uh, Freddy squares off against 20 plus teens at one point. And he's felled by a deck chair. This may be his lowest moment. This mm. is sad. When someone just chucks a white patio chair at him and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's as weaker as strong as, as the script happens to, to need him to be at any given time. Yeah, why isn't he like fire starter and just flaming people with his hands? Why is- I mean, let's 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 take a moment and understand that. In this movie and this movie only, Freddy is defeated by the power of love. Hmm. <laughs> That's true. It is very true. It is sadly true. Um, and one more death that you alluded to at the beginning of this yes. episode is the guy who gets stepped on to death. Oh, I hate that oh. one so much. Because <laughs> Why? That, because, well, I mean, I'm, I'm giving away what my death mentor is going to be. Yeah. I know that would happen. That would absolutely happen to me. I every time I'm like terrified. I, I I'm not comfortable in crowds anyway, which you know is ironic considering I live in New York City, the most densely populated city in 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 the country. But every time I read about like riots in which like people get trampled, I it just it gives me that's like one of my worst fears. And so even though it's a pretty crappy effect and like the sound of his neck breaking sounds like someone broke a pretzel stick next to a microphone, <laughs> it's just this little like it's just a little like sound, and then he's like, Oh, he's dead. You know, he lets a little he lets a little strawberry jello dribble out of his mouth, and you know, we know what happened to him. It's yeah. still I hate it because that's like one of my worst fears. Oh, oh my god, no one knows how to scream scramble up a wood lattice fence at all uh, I, I it seems to me you if you just kind of run at it and like maybe you know go shoulder first you could probably smash through that shit and and and, and nobody's doing that no no I, it, all this gave me was a flashback to that one episode of wkrp in cincinnati where it was the uh serious episode where they talked about the who concert where people were trampled to death and i'm pretty sure that's where i get my fear of crowds from so shout out to wkrp in cincinnati also i'm very old <laughs> uh, i think we've established i think we've established our age it's important i have a very youthful voice and teens seem to think i'm one of them because i'm so youthful i come across that way so i just want to you know i don't want to front i don't want to catfish anybody to what i'm really like uh freddie also guts a teen wearing a powder blue and easter yellow striped polo shirt 
And that was a huskier team. Right? He was a slightly huskier team. So he was definitely swimming with a t-shirt at one point. And right. yeah, that is, he coughs up some party city blood and that's over. And this is when Merrill's dad witnessing the carnage outside on his property. And he knows he's going to get hit with a hell of a fucking insurance bill. Merrill's dad, you know, you know, guns, you know, guns cocked, tits out. Rages. Well, this is before he, this is before he even makes a, a play for his gun cabinet. Yells at his wife, get her out of here. And the wife replies with a very exasperated, all right. <laughs> and then she does. No, she does not at all get her out of there. <laughs> she's just sick of being talked to that way and this of course is when we get to that scene of abc's china beach hunk brian wimmer attempting to talk freddie down but like hey buddy it's cool tell us what you want like he, he's, like freddie's he's like about a minute he's gonna flip a chair around and sit down backwards <laughs> let's rap man come on <laughs> Like, it, you know, we, we all have problems here. Come on, let's just, you know, let's just talk it out, you know? Like Freddie. He, he's, like he's like a he's like a he's like a youth cool. he's like a youth pastor. <laughs> like what just I can tell that you're angry. What I want to know is what are you angry about? You know? It's just you know, we, we understand we've all been mad. Okay. <laughs> just you know, you know, you know, let the good vibes in. The bad vibes out. Like all of a sudden, this becomes a after-school special about Freddy Krueger and the time that he got high on angel dust. <laughs> and, and he takes entirely too long to to think about what he's going to do to this guy. He's, he's kind of standing like, like you know, you know, this, you know, no one's ever, no one's ever asked about Freddy. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, everybody's just so concerned with all these dead kids and no one says, but what about Freddie? What does Freddie need? Right. Yeah, and, fuck it. I'll just kill him. <laughs> everyone's saying like, oh, Freddie Krueger is coming into my dreams and killing me. What about Freddie's dreams? No one ever asks about that. What about, what about Freddie's hopes? <laughs> Freddie's dreams. What about, what does Freddie want? Too. Like Freddie wants to sail, but no one ever asks him about that. I don't even know where to start. Do I go to a marina? Are there classes? I feel like I should have learned earlier, but you know, now I'm in this racket slash. Yeah. He just like, he, he spends a lot of time just in, in quiet contemplation <laughs> during this, this last part of this movie. And it, and it's weird. And, and I get it's because, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's supposed to be sort of getting across that he's in this internal struggle with Jesse, but it just sort of looks like he's just sort of thinking it over and deciding, well, maybe I'll be good from now on. <laughs> it does sort of look like the camera's just running and they're like, well, we could cut some of this down. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. This has to be at least 82 minutes. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we keep that in there. You know, for eight-year-old uh, me, I, I really thought it was like, is this going to work? Is Freddie, is he, someone's trying to reach through to Freddie and Freddie seems to be understanding and, and Oh no, that poor man. I just remember being so sad <laughs> that he got his throat slashed and thrown into a barbecue. It's very early Kylo Ren uh, worship where they're like, oh, he can be redeemed. Look at him without his shirt on. I do believe. I want to see Robert Englund shirt. Oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, we'll get there. We're, we'll, we'll get to the chest of souls eventually. I do think that help yourself fucker 
would be an all-timer line if the camera were pointed at him when he says it. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> David, or not David Wimmer, uh, what's his name? Brian Wimmer gets slashed across his beautiful sculpted chest and thrown into a barbecue, and that's the last we see of him. I consider him dead because of the chest slashing, but... You know, who's to say? Man, he might recover from his wounds. And, and, that'll, and, and that'll be the last time he tries to reach out in a, in a spirit of, of brotherhood and kindness. No, he learned his fucking lesson. You get a couple of reaction shots here of, like, the guy who looks like Napoleon Dynamite's brother. <laughs> and with this tiny little mustache. He's the most teen-looking person in the party, though. I think that's, a, that's good casting. Yeah. And then there's this lady with this amazing haircut. It's just like... Uh, a potted plant, sort of wild and crazy, about uh, 10 inches high. Yeah, she has a modified rogue from the X-Men sort of thing where there's a poodle part on top, and then it goes right. straight into mullet in the back. But she always looks bored, even when Freddy is advancing to murder her. <laughs> she just looks bored. Yeah, well, it was a long day. Um, this At this point, that's when uh, Meryl's dad, does. if you have a gun cabinet that can be felled with a chair, it may not be as secured as you want it to be. That's just a public service announcement from us here at Kill by Kill, Starfield, ba-ba-ba-ba. If you don't think that he's taken Meryl gun training, you are crazy. He always wanted a son, but he got Lisa and Lisa is just as good. And he takes her out shooting all the time. He trusts her. He doesn't need to lock it up. That's true. Uh, This is where we get you're all my children now, which is a great shot. It's probably Mm -hmm. the last great shot we're going to see here because someone's going to decide to leave set early, I guess, is what happens in the the next 10 minutes. Uh, But the flip side of this is, again, a group of teens and young adults who have not been coached at all to look scared. They all fail at this. And then Freddie's like, fuck y'all, I'm going home, and walks through that wood lattice, T2 style, and it bursts into flame. I was very surprised the dad didn't die. Uh, yes, no adult seems to die in these movies, not at least until the next one. Uh, adults uh, seem immune from uh, b- being slashed or turned into giant bugs and, or becoming part of a soul pizza. Yeah. It's like, I guess, you know, he, the, the whole thing with them, you know, he feeding on your fear or all, I guess, I guess, you know, adult fear doesn't, isn't as, you know, isn't as nutritious. No, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel as good going down as teen fear does. Um, and so Lisa's like, well, if none of y'all are going to do anything about it, I am. She gets out of her mother's very loose grip and runs for the deadly dinosaur. Cut to the freestanding uh, boiler room that Freddie used to work at. This is where we learn that Jesse's car has one headlight that's just pointed directly to the ground for no fucking reason. <laughs> It's a terrible headlight. She's going to the town fire factory. Yeah, (laughs) that's where they make fire, apparently. Um, And this is where we meet some very cute face puppies. Uh, Puppies. Puppies. Who want those faces off? They're just missing... 
they were just missing the banjo music. <laughs> uh, this is not quite as creepy as it came off in the 78 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's just but but sad. what but what could be <laughs> no, nothing that I'm aware of. Of course, this yeah they, they 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 literally look like just dogs with like rubber masks, like just kind of carefully pulled over their faces. And we're going to film this as long as they let us film it. Yes, uh, there were every shot is two seconds away from a dog just pawing at it. <laughs> they really get a lot of mileage out of these creepy dog mat. Like they aren't moving or anything. It's just. A dog wearing well, the dogs can't see. They don't, they don't even know where to go. They, they're beginning voice commands. They're like, oh, all right, fine. It's a notch above. Do you remember that dog with like a scorpion tail from Star Trek, the original series? <laughs> <laughs> it's like one notch above that in terms of, of proficiency in, in special effects. It does remind me of they don't they ended up not using it, but in Alien 3. Um, they had this idea that if they made an alien suit for a whippet, because a whippet's very thin, that it would mm-hmm. look like a dog alien. <laughs> it just looks like a cute dog with a costume on. <laughs> and it just trots away. And you're like, oh, that's adorable. Um, and I thought this, uh, oh man, did we get the theme lighting throughout the rest of this where w- apparently they could afford a red light and a green light. It's not exactly Suspiria level mood happening here. Just if you're going to do it, go whole hog, but don't give me a couple of lights, man. Just go for it. All right. And there's a couple of fog machines clustered right around those lights, but not anywhere else. Cause you get this, this tracking shot that we have to talk about this crane. Sure. Yeah, I thought it was a helicopter shot, but no, it's it's definitely a crane shot. But it it's a good like well, yeah. I don't know if it's a good crane shot. There's a little bit of wobble to it, but it's you can tell they only really had time to do it once because yes. they do it once and someone must have noticed as I pointed out to Gina and Patrick on the Twitter, the man in the upper right corner. <laughs> or they never anticipate they didn't know what the framing was like did they think this was going to be presented in four three that's that's gonna be in unless they had like a two three oh they probably wouldn't have shot this like two three oh for the feature distribution right this would have been a a, 185 one sort of set yeah and that's definitely in frame like you see this man in the upper i I think it's because they only got to do the shot once there's a man in the upper right corner carrying a coffee, just walking calmly through the set. It's fantastic. Uh, should we get another one? Uh, Billy was in the frame. Nah, moving on. Um, and this is where we get lots of Freddy tricks. Now, now we're sort of reverting back to Freddy in the boiler room sort of thing. But mm-hmm. we're not sure how to do this because, again, she isn't dreaming so how does Freddy's dream powers work when someone isn't asleep? But you said before, Joyce from the first movie got killed when no one was asleep, right? Well, she. But did she though? Did she? We don't. We don't know because she shows up at the coda, and we don't know if that's real or not. We definitely know the Didn't dummy they, they pulled say- through the door isn't real, but someone killed her mom in the beginning of this one. That the mom was killed? 
uh, her mom committed I suicide. Just the mom killed her, killed herself. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Which is like that's that feels a little slightly retconning, but but whatever, you know. I mean, but um, yeah, this all feels this whole sequence feels very much like a sort of like mid range fun house, like like not not can't, not not. Not county fair, low level fun house, but you know, maybe a step above that where we're, you know, it's you know, oh well last year we did the haunted hospital. This year, let's do the haunted factory. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, here's the rats, here's the creepy lighting, here's the fog bank. You know, it's just it it doesn't it it may have been why I mean it they very easily could have done this whole sequence at the party. And and that's maybe why I remembered it as ending at the party, but I don't know. None of none of this really works for me. You don't think that cat puppet with abnormally large that teeth works? Weird. I mean, that's that's a a miracle. I mean, I practically Jim Henson created. It's so well you done. Could, you could almost see so you you could barely see the person's forearm <laughs> underneath <laughs> the puppet operating. <laughs> Yeah, that scary rat puppet getting eaten by a scary cat puppet wasn't unexpected, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you you rarely think, I'm going to watch a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but I don't know. I'm a very afraid of Muppet on Muppet violence. Uh, this probably won't be triggering. And you're like, oh my God, no. <laughs> are you also afraid of your wounds festering and being covered in bugs? Yeah, are those ants? Are those flies? What's happening? What's think the deal there? I think they were, I think they were, I've, thought they were ants oh yeah because they're not maggots but maggots would make more sense but you know why try making sense they don't they they don't have maggots they don't have a a maggot budget a maggot budget go smash open an ant farm and bring it over here let's put let's slap it on meryl's leg or at least her stunt doubles leg uh so this leaves us finally with freddie appearing to meryl and they have drama i don't know what <laughs> i don't know how to describe it it's it, it's a moment and, and again he's just standing there waiting for her to do something which <laughs> which that's i mean i granted this is only this is only the second movie in, in into the series but but the freddy i have known by this point was very proactive <laughs> He did not. He, he did not stand there and like you, you got to come at me. I mean, you, you know, are we gonna, are we doing this or you know? I'll, I'll just wait for you to think. I'll wait for you to figure out what you want to do. I mean, I got all day. It's a very Steven Seagal way of being a slasher, where instead of hunting and killing teens, you wait for them to come at you, and then whammo, you slam them into the beer locker. Exactly. Like like he he just like waits for things to happen to him and and it just doesn't feel it feels like they're trying for something new and then then they just completely did away with that for the next all the all the you know subsequent movies yeah the the they do not carry forward the freddy is melted by heteronormative love and then yeah, he, you know, they, they, they don't they don't do that they don't have the they, they don't continue with the pensive freddy no <laughs> that does not continue they don't pick up that thread and then piece it through where it really pays off and Freddy's dead by part six. This is something, whatever they gooped onto the railings is very obvious when they light it on fire because the icicles of it light on fire. 
<laughs> all seems very first take. Like here's what we're. It's like some sort of like it's like sort of flammable Vaseline or something. <laughs> I think it's Nomex. I think it's the stuff that you put on a person when they're going to catch on fire, but you don't want the person underneath to catch on fire, and so they put that fire gel on there and. It doesn't look great. And then Freddy sort of melts like he looked into the the Lost Ark when it's opened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very similar effect. Yeah. Do never it's, microwave when she, your Freddy. That's when she tries to make out with Freddy, right? Yes, that's that's when we learn that Twas Beauty killed the beast, John. Freddy is so lit in this sequence that he literally catches on fire and just fucking slumps over. The last movie, he catches on fire for a good five minutes, and it doesn't seem to bother him. Here, he just curls up. He's wailing and curling up, and it's like, well, all right, Uh, I guess this is going to happen. Okay, I'm done. And then he just, you know, just goes into a child's pose. Uh Uh-huh. And movie over. It's just, you know, I've been, I've been defeated by the, by love. <laughs> oh my God. And like a butterfly emerging from the chrysalis, Jesse crawls out of the burnt husk of an overdone Kruger. That first shot of him emerging with his O face. He's got this like big, like <laughs> inflatable doll. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's real weird. He does not look jazzed to be back. Jesse. He doesn't look thrilled that he's not trapped inside of Freddy Krueger anymore. He kind of is like, oh, we're back to this, are we? He looks he he looks a little bit like he's waking up from anesthesia. from anesthesia. <laughs> you know, he, he looks a little, you know, a little tired, a little confused. Oh boy. Yeah. It's not it's not the finest moment. Um but uh there you go. I I I really do like this movie. <laughs> I want to say that out loud. It has I better like it moments. I like it too. It's just, yeah. And and then, like I said, the the coda is very weird because, again, poor Grady. We're, I guess, you know, we just forgot about him. I What I really love about that coda is when Jesse emerges out of the house with complete with hand bandages. So he, I guess he was only burned on the hands. Okay. Um, but he is <laughs> his, 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 his like John Bender fist pump. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to when he quote unquote celebrates <laughs> is um, it's not great. It's, it's one of the saddest <laughs> victory dances I've ever seen. So he looks, his arms he, he looks very happy. Like, I mean, if my closest friend had, had died, I mean, you know, there's a thing called survivor's guilt and like <laughs> nobody seems to and there's a lot of this leaves a lot of questions like did anybody explain where jesse was this whole time yeah like everyone they saw this burned guy in this red and green sweater and they're like well obviously jesse didn't kill anyone is that what we're down to here yeah i, mean, I guess because everyone did see freddie yeah right but but you know did, what was he i mean surely he didn't tell the cops well i was you know trapped inside this serial killer's body <laughs> I mean, he might have. I mean, in the last movie, a cop goes, hey, you know, my ex-wife, she descended into some sort of poltergeist waterbed and she dead now. And they're like, OK. And they type committed suicide. And, <laughs> and he's, they just feel like, oh, what are you going to do? 
Hey, Nancy, make sure you write that in your diary. <laughs> you got to corroborate in your diary you're going to leave behind. So uh, were his arms injured by the blades coming out? Because you saw them like. But his fingers they, aren't got, bandaged, just the palms of his hands. I, I, I sort of saw that as like a erection metaphor. <laughs> and then when she was hitting on him, his erection went away. Um, and that's why it shriveled up back into his hands. Ooh, I mean, huh? there's a lot of flaming wieners in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, there's all sorts of problems in, the, in that particular. You know, the one guy who's thrilled at the end of this movie is the guy wearing the neon green caftan in the bus when Fred, <laughs> when Jesse walks on. He's got a grin a mile wide, like, oh, Jesse's back. Oh, he's sitting with Meryl. Another one take shot is uh, right after that, when the bus is driving by, there's this guy in a black Cavalier that seems to be waiting to back out of his parking space. <laughs> and really mad that they're making him wait until uh, the shot is. <laughs> oh man. Like he's staring at the camera angry. <laughs> he is. Uh, I have to alert everyone. The thing that you were hoping for that happens in this movie does happen. That's right. The return of the kid from the boombox from the first bus sequence is back. This time, no right. boombox, but he is wearing a black members-only jacket, and he's thrilled to be entering the bus. So if you had that on your bingo card, make sure to check it. Um, and then the bus drives too fast, and Jesse freaks out, and Meryl tells him to stop, and then the bus stops, and boombox kid gets on, and... Oh, Jesse, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be then, fine. And, and then Carrie makes a sarcastic remark. Great party, Lisa. Yeah, six people died. Yeah, people are dead. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, oh, remember that party where the guy like got so drunk and he fell under the table and you know, knocked all the snacks over? Yeah, that was a great party, Lisa. Yeah, no, like people died, Carrie. Oh, she's acting like, like you're, someone you're... pooped their pants at this pool party or you know, <laughs> dropped a butterfinger in the pool. There are dead people <laughs> in that backyard. I mean, you know, Carrie, you know, Lisa's family's probably got to move out of town after all the money they're paying for the lawsuits. Oh, they are they are losing that house real quick. There's for sure. Now, that that the insurance alone is going to be a nightmare. But uh we don't have to worry about that for too long because Carrie gives birth to a Freddy hand alien. No, you never saw that coming. And then they and then they drive into the prog rock album again. Yes, uh, and we we end where we started, just running over Joshua trees, which don't do that. <laughs> Those it takes three hundred years for them to grow back. Don't fucking do that. It's not worth it for your dumb movie, everyone. <laughs> uh, so there you have it. That is uh, Freddy's revenge, and so that brings us back to a tried and true feature here of the kill by kill podcast. And that is choose your own death venture time. And unlike some of the episodes we've had as late, we have a real cornucopia to choose from. So we're going to start with, do you want to die by getting your face slashed? Do you want to be exploded like a hot dog? Uh, do you have a chest slash and then tossed into a barbecue? Do you want to be gutted by a glove? Uh, do you want to be trampled by party goers? Do you want to be boiled to death in a pool or how about just burned to death? And maybe someone comes out of your husk and those are your options. And John, as our guest, 
I choose you to go first. I, I think that uh, I'm really buying Gina's uh, plan for the uh, pit to in you know hell yeah. in the backyard. So I will say falling into a pit of falling hell. into the pit of hell. Uh, it definitely is up there. Now uh, you're going to have to d- display to everyone that you have the inability to climb a brick wall first. <laughs> oh, I, I I don't. I don't think anyone would question my inability to climb. But you deadlift very heavy things. That's true, but I'm not good at the pulling up. Okay. So pulling up's a little tricky. You are are more of a pushing strength rather than a pulling. Exactly. I see. Well, say no. Well, see, he could have, but but he probably could have, that means you could have effectively ran yourself through a wooden fence, though, and say to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You just get that that upper body strength, just like, just like push right through it. I wholeheartedly juggernaut. Yeah, you could have uh, run over that wood wood fence in, in a heartbeat, and you and I doubt very much you would have burst into flames when you did it. <laughs> There's only like a ten percent chance. But but that was a confirmed kill, right? That's the oh, that's the that 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 fellow was not making it back. <laughs> okay, no, he's burned to death. He's okay. he's burned to death. Gina, oh, what say you? Well, like, as I said earlier, I don't want this death. Mm-hmm. I, I just know this would be my death, and 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 that's again getting trampled, having my neck broken, you know, like a like a Mister Salty Pretzel stick. <laughs> oh, oh, and then you have to dribble out that blood. Now you're gonna have to hold that in your that, mouth the whole time. I got I, I got that I got that that strawberry Jolly Rancher in my mouth, all ready to go. <laughs> got that fruit squisher. Uh, ready to explode. Uh, you know, out of all of these things, how do I want to go? Here's the thing. Here's how I know I would go. I would invariably be running around in an inappropriately colored striped polo and get gutted to death. I just know that. I just know that that's true. It's not what I want. It's what I know what would happen. That's what it comes down to. Because what would you want? Well, what I want, I would want yeah. to explode like a hot dog. <laughs> just go blip and just like smash spray this is spray like 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 heated meat in all directions That's right i want to go out like that that guy who finds a spider in a spacesuit in outland just explode oh god <laughs> you know if that father had died after trying to shoot freddie uh, that would have been the lock for your. Oh, that's very dad. true. Yes, Big chesty shirtless dad. <laughs> chesty, I was gonna say. chesty shirtless dad whose couch was ruined. That's that's just me. yeah. Beautiful boobies on full display <laughs> for all to see. With I just I still don't know how his pajama pants work. There's a a, a belt involved in it, but does it fasten in the back or is he sewn into it? I don't know. It just like how do you pee in it? Oh, I have so many questions. But they'll have to be answered on another day. So before we go, let's do some plugs, why don't we? John, why don't you tell everyone where they can find out more about you and what you do? Well, you can follow me on the Twitter at uh, Johnny Johnny Firebird or Johnny Barnstorm. It's Johnny Barnstorm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there I post about video games mostly. Uh, I try to leave politics aside because it's terrifying to talk about that on the internet. You can also find me on Square Roots Podcast. Uh which we play through a classic RPG a chunk at a time. And you can find me on previous episodes of Kill by Kill. Like there's a Friday the 13th part five episode and a Jason Goes to Hell episode. Yes. And our Thanksgiving episode. 
Um, right. But that part five is one for the record books. It's it's a real doozy. We talk about a lot of deaths in that one, and it is revelatory. We learn a lot about each other and about life and about <laughs> digging up corpses. Was that the one to with the Leather them. Boys? What's that? Was the Leather Boys part five? Yes, the Leather Boys it was. Is part five. Yeah. That's where I learned, and I've repeated several times, that we know that one guy is the dom in the relationship because, as you told me, he won't shit in front of his sub because that would be demeaning. <laughs> exactly. That was also, I believe that was also the same episode in which two dudes showed up to to dig up Jason's corpse and fuck it. Yes, that, right. <laughs> that is something that totally happens in that movie, and you can't prove otherwise. If you have proof, my guess is you're just guessing. Because there's no other reason for them to act like that. So check and mate, motherfucker. And so that pretty much does it for us. But before we go, uh, hey, uh, Gina, where can people find you on the Internet? Um, I have my own website at GinaRadcliffe.com where I write about uh, I write about old TV and movies and pop culture. I am also a writer at thespool.net where uh, I my recent reviews include Pet Cemetery, which I enjoyed a lot and which if you are a member of our Patreon, you can listen to a bonus episode where we talk about that. And I also reviewed the Netflix exclusive The Silence, which is utter fucking garbage. So I've been told that, that my negative reviews are more entertaining than my positive ones, so you can feel free to seek that one out. It has the best headline I could possibly come up with. I'm not going to tell you because I need the clicks. So go ahead and, and find that on thespool.net. Do and I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter under Porcelain72. And you mentioned Patreon, so what's happening on that front? Oh, good. We have no new pay. We have no new patrons to report. Nothing is happening. We can just excise that. Hey, uh, you mentioned Patreon, and so if people would like to support us and the podcast that we do financially, there's an easy way to do it. Go to Patreon.com/slash/KillByKill, and we have all sorts of bonus content every single month. We have a new episode coming out. Uh, this last one we did was Pet Cemetery. Next month it will be a listener's choice. If you're at the ten dollar level, you can tell us within reason what to watch, and we will talk about it for at least forty five minutes to an hour, sometimes more, depending on how crazy an Italian it is. <laughs> um, just some of the wildest shit we've ever watched in our entire life is contained there. So I urge you to check it out. Of course, you want to communicate with us here at the Kill by Kill podcast. There's a few ways to do it. One on Twitter at Kill by Kill pod. Uh, and then on Facebook, we have the group and the page. Either one works, but the group is where we talk about things in depth. Things are kind of heating up over that way on Instagram, Kill by Kill podcast. And that just about does it for us. But don't worry, folks. The body count, strangely enough, will continue, even though Freddy Krueger appears to have been burned up and melted and gone away. I'm reading now that he menaces children in a uh, mental health facility, which should be a ball of laughs. Um, So, and oh, I'm reading. It is. It's very funny weirdly enough so look forward to that so until next time for myself for gina and johnny bye-bye everybody bye
Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. A Nightmare on Elm Street is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill's logos were created by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.